This is the EVP Podcast. Welcome to an episode of the EVP Podcast. I am Beaker. I'm Ghosty. And I'm DVO. And we had comments. People are engaging us on social media because we're posting more. Yes, they are. Thanks, everybody. Yes. And if you guys don't know, we post every episode on YouTube. You can find us there as well. In fact, we have a comment from that last episode of Diotlef Pass. In fact, it was Randy who actually mentioned uh, a theory. I don't know if it was his theory or a theory he had heard, but he said it was a stampede of reindeer as the Mansi heard them nearby. Uh, maybe high winds spooked them and they ran over the tent, causing the skull fractures and etc. So good thing. Theory, but it does kind of go back to the idea of there's no hoof prints. We also did say uh, possibly like a bull moose, also reindeer or bull moose attack. Yes, um, but yeah, there's no footprints. Yeah, but the thing is, hoof like prints. I hoof prints. There's no hoof prints. No hoof um, prints. But I, I'm going. I'm going to go back to the KGB because I told you snowshoes. They don't leave trail. Yeah, because you when you walk. Have you been snowshoeing? No, I didn't. I've never snapped uh, some tennis rackets on the bottom of my feet. <laughs> well, I have, and let me tell you, it's fun. Um, I have some in my garage. Not fat, um, but yeah, when you're snowshoeing, you like it doesn't matter how deep the snow is. You're walking on, on the very top, That's and cool. so it's easy for like the wind to blow over any tracks that you might have had. That's true, because you wouldn't. Yeah, you wouldn't sink down if you're walking on top. You'd, yeah, the wind would just blow the more snow right. So over we're the top. back to the KGB. Definitely KGB. Like that guy on yeah. Facebook that we started trolling. Um, I, we, I think Yeti roared, spooked them, and they ran out single file. Truth <laughs> is, without shoes. Without shoes. We, we don't know for sure what happened. I don't think anyone will ever actually know no. what happened. Except um, the KGB. I mean, there was, <laughs> except the KGB. There was, there was the, the article that was shared with us where the headline says... Um, that it was an avalanche, but in that exact same article, it says it's the most plausible of explanations, but it still remains a mystery, and there is no way to know for sure what happened. Yeah. Um, so thanks for everyone that uh, engaged with us on social media. We appreciate it. Um, good theories. Good theories. But it's not It's, it's not Yeti. <laughs> I think we're all split here. I'm pretty sure it's Yeti. Your UFOs and Ghosty says it's uh, KGB. KGB. So. So it was a alien yeti working for the KGB. Problem solved. We got it. <laughs> we got it's, it. It's um, a wrap. <laughs> it's a wrap. Yep, done. We're done with that episode. <laughs> Moving on to the next. For those of you watching on YouTube, you can kind of see what I've I've hidden. I do have my product placement. That was another comment we got on Instagram. Someone mentioned the product placement. Um, but I have my copy of the Travis Wilton, Wilson Walton. Travis Walton. Holy hell. Wilson. Wilson. <laughs> um, Travis Walton uh, and his his true story of what happened to him. Same thing that happened in the Delft Pass. Yeah. Aliens. Alien Yeti. Alien, Alien Yeti. Yeti. On snowshoes. <laughs> <laughs> On snowshoes. We're going to KGB. Problem solved. Episode over. <laughs> probably Betty Barney Hill. We can probably tie it all together. We can because Travis Walton actually met Betty Hill. I heard that in a mm-hmm. podcast with Joe Rogan. Um, yeah, so if you haven't already, go on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, whatever. Subscribe. Get us more listeners. We need that haunted yacht. Um, yes. <laughs> we're getting so close, too. We're very close to our haunted yacht. We're only like, how much do they cost? Uh, I mean, let's, let's say 300,000. So we're okay, about 300,000 Yeah, we're 300,000 away. 300,000 million listens away. <laughs> yeah. From our haunted yacht. Um 
But yeah, no, Travis Walton. Um, so I talked about on my last episode that I was in charge of, uh, Betty Barney Hill. And I said there was two stories of alien abduction that actually makes me believe in aliens. And the first one, obviously, Betty and Barney Hill. This one here, Travis Walton, is the second one. Um, these two are the most publicized cases. Um, I think this one actually got more attention than the Betty and Barney yeah. Hill case did. Um, because of the movie Fire in the Sky. Definitely not only helped. that, he had a search party. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. He had a search party looking for him. But this maybe give a little big background of who, if, if, if no one's listening, has ever heard of Travis Walton, who is he? Oh, he's a guy. He's um, a guy named Travis. So he's, he's a guy named Travis. He was just an ordinary lumberjack from Snowflake, Arizona. Snowflakes. <laughs> Anyways. Um, but he's no snowflake. He's no snowflake. He was 22 at the time this happened. Yeah. Uh, it happened on November 5th of 1975. And he was working in a crew of seven. Uh, I know the the older guy, the oldest guy was 28. Uh, his name was Mike. He was the project manager. And like his best friend. His best friend. I think he was actually <clears throat> dating the, the, Mike's sister as well. Mm-hmm, I think so. <laughs> at the time. Um, oh my gosh. I have all the people's names here. On this one. So you had Travis Walton. And then we have Yuri and Yuri. <laughs> we had the Yuris. So you had Mike Rogers. Um, and I'm just, you know what? I'm going to, uh, this is from TravisWalton.com. Okay. I'm just going to read these little quotes real quick as I introduce the characters of this story. These are quotes that these gentlemen said? These are quotes from these gentlemen. Okay. No, these are from what I said and they're just <laughs> repeating it. <laughs> so first off, we have Travis Walton. He said, if I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't have gotten out of the truck. We'll talk about that. Okay, Mike Rogers, the the contract manager. And his best friend, besties. In, in 1975, he said, I've been working these woods for over 10 years, and this is the damnedest thing that has ever happened to me. In 1995, he said, I've been working these woods for over 30 years, and this still is the damnedest thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> that's a good quote. <laughs> Next, we have Alan Dallas. Uh, we couldn't believe that w- what was happening. The horror was unreal. Next, we have John Goulet. He says, I know what I saw, and it wasn't anything from this earth. We also have Kenneth uh, Peterson. He said, he saw a bluish light come from the machine, and Travis went flying like he'd touched a live wire. Um, and then we have Steve Pierce. He said, that, Ray's, uh, that ray was the brightest thing I've ever seen in my whole life. And then Dwayne Smith, the UFO was smooth and was giving off a yellowish-orange light. And I believe all of these guys are still alive except for Dwayne and Alan. Um, They both, I think one passed away in 2010, the other in 2018. Um, But so what happened is, I I believe actually that morning, um, he mentioned on the Joe Rogan experience, he was actually arguing with one of the guys that morning um, about something. and and, uh, About Mike's sister. Mike's sister, actually, (laughs) yeah. And he's like, hey, you know, tell Mike's sister. He's like, dump this guy, come be with me. Um, so just to kind of paint a little bit of a picture. Like these guys weren't, <clears throat> I mean, they were friends, but they didn't always get along. They're, they worked together. They, they worked together. They were chasing the same tang. Yeah. Two of them were. Yeah. Yep. Not Mike though. It's a sister. That was weird. <laughs> yeah. This isn't Alabama. Um, <laughs> Zydo. <laughs> Arizona. Arizona. Oh, Arizona. Snowflake. <laughs> <laughs> Where it snows a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, they're out there. They had this contract that they were working on. I don't know if you've ever watched like um, that lumberjack show, logger show on I've never seen it channel. Now. Anyway, so so when when you're a lumberjack, um, you have to put in a bid to clear the woods, and whoever wins the bid gets the contract, gets to go out and do it, right? Mm-hmm. So they're about eighty percent done with this contract, 
Um, and they're, they're close to like where this all occurred. And I think they were done for the day. Um, they were all just kind of, you know, you spend all day, you're out there, you're cutting trees with chainsaws, knocking trees down. I think even to the point where like, because of the argument, I think Alan actually tried to knock a tree over on Travis on purpose. Um, I think that was in fire in the sky, fire in the sky based on this. We'll get into a little bit later. But I think, um, I mean, like, this is how pissed off this guy was. He actually tried to, like, injure Travis right. on the job site. So they get done, and they're I guess they're on their way home. And one by one, they all kind of start seeing this light in the sky. And so they pull over. And uh, Travis even says, like, no one was, no one, like, really pointed it out. They No one's going, like, oh, my God, what is that? But Can I tell you why? Because <clears throat> though this area is known as maybe the second, so this is again Snowflake, Arizona, the second highest area for lightning and thunderstorms. So trees getting hit by lightning and causing fires were, were very commonplace. And in fact, them as loggers, they sometimes were also called to put out these fires caused by lightning in the trees. So they saw this light and they just were thinking, another fire, we probably got to go put this fire out. Please then they found out this fire was in the it was sky. in the sky fire in, oh is that that makes sense <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> i've done mine research. just got blown <laughs> mind blown <laughs> um, so uh they they eventually pull over and travis is the only one that gets out and they're they're seeing this this giant spacecraft in the sky probably about 100 feet away i believe and Travis starts walking towards it. Running he, towards it. Running towards it. He's like, what is this? And, let me and go see. His, like, his train of thought was, is like, I guess he thought he was going to scare it away or something. Yeah, I don't know. Which, um, what would you guys do? I don't know. I don't know if I'd run to if it. Do you see like a, some type, I don't want to say spaceship, but some type of mechanism kind of, a you know, there above the trees giving off a light. Would you run towards I'd it? I'd be like, hey, Travis, go check that out. <laughs> probably what it was. Get out there and go. You go look at it, you. Like, Travis, get as close to that as you can. Date my sister, will you? Um, I have no idea. Like, I don't know what I would do. I know I wouldn't run to it. I know that. Because I'm an, an observer. This day and age, we so all would probably just, pull out our phones and take pictures. I hope I would to do that. I hope I would. I would start Snapchatting it. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Put me in it. Take a selfie with it. What's Snapchat? Uh, the thing that kids <laughs> use before TikTok. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. I'm a toddler. <laughs> so he's looking at this thing, uh-huh. and it's it's got this this yellowish glow to it, and it's got this, like, low, like, buzzing, like, um, noise that's coming from it. And then the noise starts to get louder. And the, it kind of moves, and Travis is at this point thinking, it's like, maybe it's going to take off, but it didn't. So, and he's just like, as soon as he saw it moved, he gets like scared and ducks recover behind a bush. Mm-hmm. And all the guys are yelling at him, like, get back to the truck, get back to the truck. And then, um, I guess Travis didn't actually see this, but several of the guys in the truck saw one guy described it as it looked like lightning. One guy mm-hmm. described it as like a blue ray of light. And this, it came down and, and basically hit Travis and it threw him. They said like 20 feet or so and it knocked him unconscious. And, I guess this really freaked out the other guys in the truck that they they took off and left him. They said it looked yeah. like he didn't have any bones in his body. So what, so in the movie, it looked like he got tossed a few feet and landed on this, you know, on the ground. But in actuality, it threw him against this rock and he fell after he hit the rock. The guys said it looked like 
like he was he a sack of potatoes. Like a sack of potatoes. Like like he had no bones. Like he just looked. They thought he was dead. Basically, he hit the rock and he just crumpled down to the ground. And they thought he is for sure dead. So that's when they wanted to take off. Yeah, they they ran to the um, truck. To the truck. <laughs> and I believe they they drove down the. I mean, this is on a dirt road out in the middle mm-hmm. of the woods. They drove for a little bit and then. Um, I can't remember which one. It might have been Mike finally stopped because I think he was in the driving the truck. And yeah, like, he was. You know Turned around and He's went like, back, we got it. Right? I think uh, John as well. They're like, we got to go back and get Travis. We can't just leave him out there. No, um, in the movie, they kind of portrayed it that way. And he said, hey, wait for me here. Um, in reality, Mike told them that. Like, hey, just wait here. We'll go back, look for him. And all six of the guys went back. They all went back to look for him. So um, they all six of them went in the truck to go back to look for Travis, but the movie portrayed it like only Mike and another person went back, but no, all six. Oh, of them I haven't went back. seen the movie. I'm going off of. Um, so we we watched the Shock Docs, the Alien Abduction about Betty Barney Hill. Mm-hmm. They also did one on Travis Walton. Uh, these this these movies or documentaries actually just came out last month uh, in the middle of February. So um, and and it was funny because I was I was watching part of this um, this documentary that I own that's actually you can kind of see here in the YouTube video. Um, personally autographed by personally Travis autographed by Baker. Travis Walton. Yes, it says Tim. Great to meet you and SLC Travis Walton. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, there was uh, the one one guy, uh, John, or I think it was John. He's the youngest guy. He was like he lied at the time. He was only seventeen. I think he had to be eighteen to get on the job site, so he lied to him about his age. But um, I think he was the one that in the documentaries was saying, and it was it was interesting watching the different documentaries uh-huh. and how the stories from these guys are exactly the same. Like yeah. there is no changing so they many years later too. I mean, th- at this point we're looking almost 50 years Yeah, um, from this incident or 20 or 45 years, something like yeah, that. Yeah. A little over um, 45. But yeah, they're, they, they all went back to look for him. They searched, they looked around, they could not find him. So they went and got the local sheriff there of Navajo County. And, they all start, they go back with the sheriff and they, they continue the search and they're not finding anything. They can't find Travis's body. Um, and it's kind of dark at this point. It's late at night. Can I tell you something about the, the sheriff? Yes. Uh, I can't remember if it was a day or two or a week before this incident, but the sheriff also reported seeing something in the sky. Um, like a week, maybe, maybe a couple days to a week before this incident. Well, and I know... Um, in his interview with Joe Rogan, he was saying his brother Dwayne, I believe, had also seen something about ten miles away uh, earlier that year as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it was um, a couple weeks earlier, actually. Yeah. Um, and the the thing is, is he's also mentioned that there was like local, there was hunters and fishermen at a nearby lake that also reported seeing something in the sky that night. Mm. Um. So they go back and look. Like I said, it's dark. Um, they're not finding anything, so they call off the search for that night. And then they go home, and I guess they they they, they actually um, I think it was the next day they get back together. There's more deputies from the sheriff's office there, and they actually interviewed each of the guys like individually, and the guys all said the same story. Right. Um, but they go out there. They've got dogs. They're out there searching. They're looking for Travis, and they're not finding him. Um, it quickly becomes from like a missing person to. A murder investigation. Yeah. They straight up are like these dudes murdered him and hid the body. Um, they also thought that that maybe they were drinking or being doing uh, doing drugs. And um, one of the one of the guys, um, can't remember which one it was, was saying that basically like that's just not possible um, for doing the job that they were doing. Like it's 
extremely difficult to be drunk or high uh, and using a chainsaw cutting trees down. <laughs> Good point. Right? So, um, but that's what they were suspected. They searched the car for, like, alcohol and drugs. And, and also, if you're, this, this is your job, and this is Mike's business, and he's trying to outbid people for, you know, this lumber work. You don't want to get a reputation of having guys getting drunk or high on the job sites, all right? It's, it's not going to go good for your business. No, it's going to put you out of business. You're not yeah. going to get any bids. Right. Um, but, yeah, that's, the, that's one of the things that they thought that these guys were drunk and high, making up the story about, you know, this UFO picking up Travis. So they, they went straight to these guys murdered and hid the body. Even, like, <laughs> uh, Travis's older brother, Don, um, he was convinced that these guys murdered his body, right. uh, murdered him. His well, I mean, what would you guys think in this situation? I I would think of a logical thing. Like, these guys, that's just an easy way out, trying to blame it on aliens. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and, and, you know, there's no uh, facts of it or anything like that. Uh, so, yeah, it's just like, all right, this is these guys obviously killed him. <laughs> well, I think I think uh, Dwayne, Travis's other brother, so Don is the older one, the oldest, was like, yeah, these these dudes totally straight up murdered my brother. Uh-huh. Dwayne was a little quicker to believe the UFO story because, like I said, he saw something. He saw something not that long before this incident happened. Um, so yeah, they go to the murder. They're like murder investigation. They're straight up like wanting to arrest all six of these dudes, right, for the murder of Travis Walton. Um, I believe on day three, the, uh, I think they were doing the search again. There was some uh, government agents. Wearing the black suits, the black ties. They didn't really introduce themselves to anybody or who they were. They just showed up and were just kind of part of the search and the investigation. Um, and it's possible it could have been like, I know the government or the Air Force had that Project Blue Book that we talked about mm-hmm. on the Betty and Barney Hill that they did research on UFO stuff. Um, and at this point, like, we already know the government has come out and said, like, we know UFOs exist, because they mentioned that with the Betty and Barney Hill stuff. Um, so, there was, like, government agents there also looking into right. this. Um, I mean, this this case got huge attention. I mean, it went international quick. And there was, like, reporters and stuff from all over the world that were showing up to kind of look into this case. Real quick, if the men in black were there... Do you think they already knew that he was abducted? Probably. Or they they're knew, there, they're they're there just area. to make, they're there to just to kind of crowd control, make sure nobody thinks it's aliens? <laughs> Could be. Maybe. I mean, or they might be in the area because they're, they're, they're scattering. They, they knew. They're they knew scattering the Travis area. Walton's scent so the dogs can <laughs> Men in black are real. Um, but, so yeah, so I think it was day three. They, uh, they sat each of these guys down individually. And gave them all polygraph tests. Then they had several questions asking about, um, I believe, the work site, the lumber, the lumber site, and all that. And then the final question was about the UFO. And all six of these guys passed the polygraph test, except for one. Um, Dallin, well, not Dallin. Um, oh, I can't remember his name. The one he got in fisticuffs with? Yeah, Alan Dallas. Sorry. Alan Dallas. Uh, his results came back inconclusive, and the reason was, I guess, because they, they, I guess they did these polygraph tests on him several times. Like, each each session yeah. was, like, two hours long. And I believe with uh, Alan's polygraph, uh, the wires came unplugged. And so it came back mm. inconclusive. But I guess the first two times he took the polygraph, he passed. And so all six of these guys basically passed the polygraph. and Multiple times. Multiple times. And... 
you know, and the, uh, the one guy on the documentary was saying, like, he could tell the guy that was administering the polygraph test, as he interviewed each person individually, um, the more he started believing that, yeah, these guys are... And, like, he couldn't officially go on the record sure. and be like, these guys are telling the truth about he loses his job because yeah. he's neutral. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, he basically came back and said they passed a polygraph, but um, he unofficially said... These guys, they're telling the truth. He was abducted by a UFO. Um, I don't remember much of what happened on day four. Um, but on day five, so Travis was missing for five days and six yeah. hours. And total. I mean, and Alan, I mean, they, you know, they actually got into an altercation that morning of the, of the job site and at the, during the, well, yeah, the I'm abduction. sure someone tries to drop a tree on you. He's yeah. Probably going to punch But even, I think even earlier in the day, because, because Alan had went to the girls and said, Hey, you know what? Drop Travis. Travis confronted him about it. I think they got into an altercation, the whole tree thing. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, Alan's having a hard time with his polygraph test because he's like, I'm the prime suspect. Even, even his mom told him like, they're going to hang you up for this. Like, you're going to, you're on the hook. You're, you know, this guy's missing. You had a fight with him. Like even Alan's mom was like, you're going to be going right, right away for the rest of your life like they really start believing that he was he was pretty frantic about that idea yeah makes sense because they got to fight that morning and then he goes missing so i mean the it same kinda, day yeah it kind of makes sense so like uh-huh. you know. and in the movie just real quick about the movie they did make the the character playing alan look really douchey he wasn't they just got into a fight that day really he was probably just one of the normal just a normal guy just the actor probably overdoing the part they told him i mean this whole this whole the whole movie is a little bit over exaggeration of the real story because in the in the movie there's only they showed five guys instead of seven makes sense um and um also in the movie uh what do they do with it oh the whole movie almost makes it look like instead of an abduction movie it makes it sound like a murder mystery movie like the whole movie was really about these guys being on trial, is what it felt like. Versus the whole story of Travis in the it, I'm talking about the Fire in the Sky movie. So I mean, I did like the movie, but I didn't like how it was, it was mostly just centered around that. When I was like, hey, let's get to this good part. <laughs> Travis in a possible spaceship. In a pod. In a pod. But anyway, day five. Day five. So this is like ten o'clock at night. Um, Travis's mom gets a phone call. From Travis, um, saying he was in Heber, Arizona, which I don't know. I didn't look up how far away that is from Snowflake, but I can um, he was in a different city. Uh, he he said he woke up in the middle of the street and was just wandering until he found a payphone, called home, like, "Hey, come pick me up. Here's where I'm at." Wasn't he bare ass naked? Too? No, he was still in the same clothes. Oh, he was. But in the movie, <laughs> oh, the movie, he was bare ass. Yeah, yeah. No, he was still he was still in the same clothes that he was in when he disappeared. Um, so they come and get him, and I believe that they called. Uh, I believe it's called APRO. It's uh, some paranormal research thing that's there, there in. Um, Real quick, it's about thirty-one miles from Heber, Arizona, to Snowflake, Arizona, about thirty-one miles. So he traveled thirty-one miles on foot in five days. Um, <laughs> The I can't remember the acronym for APRO, but it's a it's a paranormal research uh, organization there that's based out of uh, Arizona, and it's one of the like uh, main like par- or UFO research uh, organizations, and <clears throat> they they actually set up a meeting at a nearby hotel. They didn't tell anybody, you know, they were keeping the, this on the down low. APRO sent their trusted. Uh, scientists and medical examiners 
to take a look at Travis. And when they when they examined him, uh, there was a couple things that they looked for. One was um, they noticed that he was severely dehydrated, and they were saying he lost about ten to twelve pounds. Um, there were, I believe, no scratches or anything on his body. Um, they even did uh, some blood work, and they found no traces of alcohol or drugs in his system. So that kind of goes along to prove that these guys were not doing, or at least he wasn't. But I can guarantee you, none of them were, like we talked about mm-hmm. with the, it'd be very difficult to do that particular job, uh, drunk or stoned. Um, <clears throat> there was a, I can't remember what, what uh, comes in your blood. Um, <clears throat> so like, if you go so long without eating, your body starts going into the reserves, right? Yeah. It starts eating itself, basically eating your, <laughs> your fat or your muscle away to keep you alive. And then there's a certain chemical that shows up in the blood, and I, I wish I could remember the name of it, um, that that shows up when your body starts doing this. Now, he'd been missing for five days, six hours. This was not in his blood at all, mm. um, which was very unusual because after five days of not eating. And he's, he is malnourished. He's malnourished. He's dehydrated. Yeah. Like I said, he's lost like 10 to 12 pounds. Um, that's not the sign of someone that's been well-fed for five days. And he doesn't have a five o'clock shadow. He has a five-day shadow. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, um, I guess people like, they were trying to keep it on the download that it was back. People quickly found out because I guess the operator, when he called, um, uh, they called from a payphone. Yeah. He called from a payphone. This is in a year where there are payphones throughout the cities. <laughs> um, you still have the operators with a switchboard that patches you through. Well, she listened in on the conversation. Oh, okay. And I wonder told, how many people would do that. How many of the operators would just listen to all people? of them? <laughs> I don't know. She recognized the name, so she kind of spread the word that hey, Travis is back. And like, it's a small town. It's small town, not very big. It's a small little uh, Mormon town, actually. Yeah. Uh, in Arizona, so um, people yeah. quickly got the word, and there was people like swarming um, their house. And trying to get interviews and stuff. I think Travis finally gave an interview. But I know at one point, um, they kind of did the same thing that they did with the hills. Yeah, it is kind of rural. It's kind of like a snowflake. It is pretty rural. Even today, it looks pretty rural. Um, and I might be skipping stuff here or jumping around. But they did have <clears throat> someone come in and they did do the the um, hypnosis stuff they did with Betty and Barney Hill. Um, it wasn't the same doctor. It was a different guy. But they did the same thing. And they were trying to, because he didn't remember anything from when he saw the the ship in the sky to when he woke up in the middle of the street five days later. To him, this was just a a couple minutes. Yeah, he thought it was just the same day. He thought, yeah, he he still thought it was the same day. Until his brother and, Dwayne said, uh, "Feel your face, man. There's yeah, a, you have a beard." <laughs> yeah, pointed out the fact that he had a five days or um, like a week's worth of growth on his face. Yeah, um, and then he was just kind of in shock and at this point because like I said he thought it was only just a matter of minutes right. so they do this um, hypnosis session and that's when they start getting the, the details of what happened what do you think about this hypnosis session whether whether it's something like this or any at all do you believe in hypnosis so if you were conscious during the situation uh-huh. I believe that you do record these memories so I think hypnosis is a way, does work to unlock these memories. Okay. Well, you, well, you beaker. Yes. 
Do you do you think either of you could be hypnotized or have you been hypnotized? Yes, I've tried yeah. and it didn't work. Like I don't uh, think it would work tw- on me. Why? Two or three times you tried I, and it didn't work. Yeah, you know when they have like those public. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, like we'll hypnotize you, comedians or whatever. Yeah, I've tried it on two, two or three different occasions and it didn't work for you me. Just go sit down. Yeah, they're You're all, too strong. We need you off the stage. You're not going to work. <laughs> And the beaker is not so strong-minded, I guess. <laughs> That's about, just kidding. So no, you, this, so this was a this was a private setting. It was just me and the 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 person. So I actually did a thing called quantum hypnosis healing technique. Okay. Um, where for me this was like an eight-hour session with the uh, the practitioner. Oh, geez. Um, it could have been shorter. Uh, I don't like to do homework. Um, but there you're supposed to come up with a list of questions you want to ask yourself. And so we spent a good portion of time coming up with the questions and, and figuring out like what we want to accomplish during my hypnosis session. And the actual hypnosis session itself was probably an hour and a half, two hours. And I actually have that uh, audio oh, of the entire hypnosis, uh, hypnosis session. I can share it with the two of you. So you went, so you went out um, and then you just kind of woke up? Is that what happened? Like it felt like you just were out for a second? No. So I actually, it, so for me, it, it actually it was... Felt more like 10, 15 minutes, but it was like close to two hours. And the weird thing was, is like, she says not everybody does this. Um, some people fart while they're sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> some people don't remember anything that happens during the hypnosis session. I remember stuff as it was happening. Um, okay. So, and it's weird because, like, if you listen to the recording, the voice, uh, it was, I mean, it's mine, but not how I normally talk. Obviously, I'm asleep, so I'm kind of quieter voice um but it was it was some of the stuff i said was very interesting and like Hmm. i I can share that with you guys i'm not going to share that because there's a lot of private stuff in that yeah um but yeah it's like i said it it felt it only felt like 15 20 minutes tops and it was actually closer to two hours got it that i was under and she was just asking questions and my subconscious higher self was um responding so I believe that to answer your question with this, the hypnosis with the, like in the Betty and Barney Hill case, for example, and in, in Travis Walton's case here, um, I believe it can help you access subconscious subconscious memories. memories. Yeah, I do too. I, I just don't. I just don't think I could be hypnotized, uh, but I do. I do think it's a, a tool that could be utilized. I mean, I think I can be hypnotized in a way to unlock like memories like that, but not in a comedy hypnosis show dance no, monkey not, dance type of no I, those those shows you see on tv i'm kind of skeptical about yeah me too and that's why i had to try it and i'm like yes i've all volunteers tribute and <laughs> no it didn't work yeah give this bullshit yep, google sit down sounds like a lot of bullshit up here but I'll, I'll make my way off the stage i'll see myself out <laughs> job mike um all right so travis did the hip- hypnosis so what he remembers first is waking up and he sees these three, he says they're about five foot tall beings. I said their skin was white. Yeah. Um, but basically the way he described them is the grace. Um, you know, five foot tall beings, um, large head, large eyes, like kind of small, no small mouth, barely visible. Yeah. No, no um, body structure really. Uh, skinny bodies, you know. Um, but these ones were wearing suits. No, no, that was Betty and Barney Hills oh. wearing suits. These ones weren't wearing suits. These ones didn't have suits. Um, there was one later that was wearing a suit. But um, <clears throat> so the first three, no suits. They looked like the grays, but they were white. 
Um, the grays, again, most off-white. common. Off white. <laughs> the grays are the most common reports of aliens. Um, and he had like some instruments on him. He didn't know exactly what was going on. He panicked and started fighting him off, jumped off the table. Kicked him in the face. Yeah. And then he grabbed, he grabbed something and just started swinging wildly at him as they were like coming at him. The only way out of the room was behind these three aliens. And so he's swinging and he's fighting for his life. And then all of a sudden, just for no reason, the three of them turn around and leave the room. And so he's like, okay, well, I got to figure out how to get the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. So he starts kind of exploring the ship, trying to find his way out. He gets to this room where there's nobody in the room. There's a single chair in the middle of the room. And he sees what looks like a projection of like star maps is how he described it. And he gets into the room, he goes and sits on the chair and on the chair on the like right hand side on the arm of the chair, there's like this little panel that lights up and he just saw lights. Basically, he didn't know what it was. He assumed it might have been buttons or something. So he just starts pressing shit, (laughs) hoping something will happen, hoping a door will open up. He can get off the ship. He's thinking maybe he's only like 25 feet off the ground. He can survive that fall. You know, yeah, he's just trying to get the hell out of there. Nothing's working. He gives up on that. So he's going to continue his search. He turns around and there is now a a man that's about six foot two in what looked like a um, kind of like an astronaut suit. Yeah, like a fishbowl helmet looking thing. And uh, he's like going up to it looked like a person. It looked like a regular man. He goes up to him and he's like asking for help. What's going on? You know, what are we doing here? And no response from this this guy. Never no response at all. And Travis is drilling him with questions. No response. So I believe he walks him back into that same room, or I don't know if it was a different room. He walks him into a room. He thinks he went to another ship. Uh, it's possible. Travis thinks that we actually went to another spaceship. Just the way, I don't, I don't know how, I can't remember what he said, but just just like a feeling he got, or just he just kind of felt like they went to another spaceship. So they get into this other room, and there's, I believe, two or three other people, but none of them are talking. They all look human. They all look human. So this is... Um, One's kind of good looking, he says. Yes. In the documentary, she was kind of hot. <laughs> so um, this is where, to me, I actually believe what he's saying. Um, because I've mentioned before in other shows, the type of aliens I believe exist are the Nordics. Oh, uh-huh. And these are the type of aliens that he saw. The Nordics are basically... They look like people. They're designed to look like people. So they can fit in and observe us up close without like really interfering or whatever. Um, and they look Scandinavian. Mm-hmm. So all three of these people uh, look Scandinavian. They said one of them had like the blue eyes and kind of like uh, brown, like blonde hair. Um, I believe the lady was like shoulder length uh, blonde hair as well. So um, the Nordics usually are Scandinavian in appearance. And they're, they're designed to fit in and look like us so they can observe us up close. Now, in the movie, they made it look like the aliens were dragging him around, so that that didn't happen. No, they just it let him actually into these the guys that look, And so now Travis thinks that these people are actually the aliens, or they were, they're portraying to look something familiar to him to make him more at ease. Because, again, he was, he was freaking out, trying to hit him with, with an object. and So he thinks that they brought these people there to kind of put him more at ease, to feel more comfortable at that stage, but who, who knows? They could be Nordics, like you're saying. Um, I, I 
thought they he said that they kind of forced him on the table, or if he I don't know if he got up willingly. He got on the table. They put him on the table, and then he remembers seeing this like plastic like mask thing that lo- almost looks kind of, kind of like an o- oxygen mask would look today. Uh, they they put that over his nose and mouth, and that's the last thing he remembers before waking up in the middle of the street. Mm-hmm. And that's our story, folks. Um, <laughs> no, so so he um he also was interviewed by the deputies and told the, the same story that these guys told about the the craft and all that. Uh-huh. Um, they gave him polygraph tests, and he passed the polygraphs as well. And though he's done several interviews uh, over the years and his story has never changed. It has been the same. Let's say this is a hoax. So five days later he's found and he's malnourished, dehydrated. Would this be a smart joke to pull? <laughs> or you basically put yourself... You're really selling this. Yeah, because you really want to... you really like, hey, I'm going to put myself at the verge of death here for this hoax. Because <laughs> I know it will make us filthy rich. You know, it's just... Oh, and that's one of the... That was one of the things that people uh-huh. thought that they were doing this for money. Another... Another... Um, explanation from skeptics was that uh, Mike was trying to get out of his contract. By making this elaborate story that, as to why they couldn't finish, because they were getting close to their deadline on their contract with this um, job, and it got to the point where they couldn't—he couldn't get his crew to go back out there at all. They had right. to, a different crew had to go in and finish the job. Um, so, again, making up a story again from a business standpoint, making up a story like this was not going to help you get other future bids in the future. So if you have a reputation of your crewman getting high or, or drunk, or you have a reputation of pulling off elaborate stories just to get out of a job, it's not going to help your business. Just saying. No. This is a bunch of gossip in town. <laughs> yeah. I bet you anything, you know, oh, he's just trying to get out of his contract. <laughs> um, That's exactly how they sound like in Snowflake. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's my Snowflake accent. <laughs> Yeah, they were. People were quick to jump on the skeptic train, calling it a hoax and it was fake. I mean, I would too. <laughs> uh, you know, we probably all and a murder back then yeah. and murder. I mean, murder <clears throat> at that time probably made the most sense until he shows back up. Yeah, and then they're going like, okay, hoax. Um, they're they're making it up to become rich. They're making it up to get out of their contract. You know, and um, looking back at it now, that that stuff just doesn't, it make, doesn't sense. make sense. No. Um, like you said, from a business standpoint, it would ruin your business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Making sense. Oh, we don't want to hire these guys. They're just going to, if they can't get the job done, someone else is going to get it done. Yeah, exactly. Um, Keep blaming everything on aliens. <laughs> there was one dude in particular. This dude's whole job was to disprove UFO and alien existence. His name was Philip Class. Um, it, it was his job or just like something he likes to do? Like he got paid to do this? I think he got paid to do it. Because um, this is like uh, this is what this did dude did. It was try to debunk UFO and alien abductions, um, and he was I guess the, the hardest on Travis out of everybody. He even went on and uh, debated him on Larry King back in '91, I think it was. Interesting. <clears throat> I know. So in um, 1978, Travis Walt the Wal- uh, Travis wrote the Walton Experience, mm-hmm. um, which is what Fire in the Sky is based on. That came out in 1993. Um, I think it was actually 95, somewhere in there. They That's when he did. I know he's been on Tucker Carlson talking about his experience, but he actually debated this uh, Philip Class guy. And Philip was trying to debunk it, saying, like, well, there's no evidence 
of you being abducted. And, and Travis just kind of laughed on that Larry King interview. And he's just like, he's they're like, what's funny? And he's just like, I think that it's funny that you go to is that the lack of evidence is the evidence of uh, lacking or something like that. Yeah. Um, but this this guy was like saying one of the things that like proves that he wasn't abducted or thrown is because he said is I don't know what that static noise is. Um, it's probably not on the recording, but whatever. Um, so the fact that there was no bruises on his body proves that he wasn't thrown against the rocks. But then he also said because sometimes they'd line up pine needles and stuff in the forest to, to kind of do a controlled burn to get rid of them. Uh-huh. Um, he's saying the the ground should have been covered by pine needles, which would have in turn softened the blow and not left bruises. So the guy kind of, I guess was according to Travis was like contradicting himself in his argument mm. against Travis saying that yeah. it was a hoax. So this dude, like he was, he was, um, Against it from the get-go, he came and did the investigation in 1975. Uh, when he was looking into it, said that Travis actually uh, faked the polygraph and and tricked it to pass, saying he did tactics like holding his breath at certain points or whatever. So, yeah. Uh, and then he was saying that the guy that administered the polygraph did it incorrectly and didn't know what he was doing. So this dude was, like, coming up with all of these sure. things that basically he couldn't prove either. To debunk this whole situation, saying it never happened. Um, but I, in my opinion, I've, I've actually met him back in 2018. Travis was here at an alien convention in Salt Lake City. And I spoke to him. That's actually where I got uh, this documentary from and had him sign it. Uh, at the time, I'd never heard of him, didn't know who he was. But I talked to him for just a little bit. Did you ever talk to him? Because you were at the same yeah. convention, Ghost. Yeah, I talked to him for a little bit. Um, what was the impression you got from him? Well, they became besties. <laughs> I, I think. I mean, he was, he was very, uh, he was very talkative. He was open to share his experience. Um, I thought he was really sincere about it, and he was just like wanting to talk about it. And I, you know, anybody that wants to listen to it, he was willing to to share that with. So and. I don't know if you guys heard, but when I was listening to the episode he did with Joe Rogan, he actually had mentioned that he has had quite a few experiences with UFOs. He just never talks about them because a lot of times he's alone. And he's like, well, I mean, I'm alone. I can't really, you know, no one can be there to vouch for me. So I don't really talk about these things. But on Joe Rogan's podcast, he actually gave two stories. I don't know if you guys heard those stories or not. No. But there was a story where he and his son and his girlfriend, uh, Travis's girlfriend, and Travis's son, the three of them were going, um, they were going somewhere and they were in the car and they look up and they see like this spaceship above the car, like tra- on, on the kind of like the same path they're going. And so they're driving and Travis points out like, you see that? And it sounds like, yeah, I see it. And Travis's girlfriend's in the back seat. So as they drive underneath it, she's like, yeah, she's in the back seat. So she's looking through the, the rear windshield and she can see the spaceship as they as they're driving under it so that was just like another circumstance story and then another time he was laying in bed he was you know dead ass sleeping and all of a sudden he woke up running down the hall of his house so he was he went to bed all of a sudden he wakes up and he's running down the hall goes into his son's room and i don't remember the circumstance with the son but his son was i don't know if he was young or little or something like that but he was like his his 
he almost was being hung by like maybe the the blind. I can't remember the, exactly now what it was, but he was like almost being hung by something like the blinds. Like his oh, his okay. his throat, his neck got kind of wrapped up in the cord or something like that. Just little then. Yeah, I think he was little, and so he ran in the door and found his son like that and hurried and and you know saved his life basically. But he doesn't know why he woke up already running down the hall. That's crazy. Yeah, that is really cool. Yeah, so he kind of thinks they've kind of been in contact with yeah. him so that's what they say to when somebody's been abducted it's usually like when they talk about it it's either one it's not their first time that they're actually going through it or it just continues throughout their life as well because once they get fingered they, there's a it's relationship gonna, that bond there's yeah. a bonding there yeah there's a scent that just <laughs> yeah, well, I think I come back here every week um, <laughs> after our old trip down finger bang highway um, yes you guys can't get rid of me that easy. Um, so, I, you've met him. I've met him. The guy seemed very sincere, very genuine. Like, I have no reason. To, just the energy that he put off, it doesn't seem like someone that's making something up. Right. And, and um, let's just speculate here and say he was making this up. Kudos to him for sharing the same story for damn near 50 years and not changing a single... And passing multiple polygraphs. And getting all his buddies in on it. Yeah. Right. And they're also passing all their polygraphs. Teaching must have paid all of them well. how to The most polygraph. elaborate hoax in the history of UFO abductions. Yeah. Like, no, this dude, in my opinion, straight up telling the truth, this shit happened to him. You know, I, I've seen documentaries with him. Like I said, I, just, I re-watched the episode of him on John Rogan as a, as a video. Like, just watching his mannerisms, watching how he talks, how he carries himself. I just don't see him. He's not an extravagant person. He just... No, he's very reserved. He's very reserved. Like he's from a rural town, uh, you know, a religious town, and he's just he's just very calm and just tells a story. He's, yeah, he's, I, don't, I, don't see, I don't see him being someone that would make up a story this elaborate and this long of a hoax. I'm keeping... I mean... It's interesting because I was watching my documentary. Um, this one is the uh, version of it is also on Amazon Prime for free with ads of the documentary that I own here. I was watching them side by side, and they're aired. it's a little different on how they put the documentary together in order, but it's pretty much the same documentary. Yeah. Um, uh, they do mention uh, Ben Hansen actually went back to the site with him in 2015 or 14, I believe. Um, this documentary came out in 2015. Uh, the back of mine says it's updated copy from 2018. Um, but the shock docs, uh, the alien abductions on Discovery Plus, if you have that, if not, you can get a week's subscription for free. Just remember to cancel it when you're done. But otherwise, <laughs> you end up with two subscriptions like Ghosty and I have. Um, which I'm kind of glad because I wouldn't have been able to watch this documentary. But um, when they were at the site, when Ben Hansen was there with them, um, and they revealed this in the, the shock docs um, on Discovery Plus, they notice something about the trees, um, and they can tell you can tell the age of a tree mm. by the rings. the rings. So they were able to determine that some of these trees were actually there at the time of the abduction. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention: while they were investigating, looking for Travis's body, they had a Geiger counter. Oh, they it was uh, there was a lot of radiation. Oh, uh-huh. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that that's very important to what I'm about to say next. Um, they they noticed that uh, like on a normal tree, and then they looked at trees farther out too. And on a normal tree, the rings are like concentric, and they're the same size all the way around yes. in the circle. So if you don't know, this, is, this should be elementary, but every year that, <laughs> that a tree is aged, there's a, it forms a ring. 
and the new ring is going to be the same distance from the, the previous ring. Yeah. Um, on all sides, the whole circle. So they noticed on a lot of the trees, on one side, one particular side, the ring was bigger. Like it had grown faster. In the last 15 than, years or something like that. Than the other side of the tree, right? Yeah. Um, and they started looking and, and they noticed something that all the all of this extra growth on the rings of trees were all pointing at the same direction. So they actually went in like a circle and looked at all these trees. So it wasn't always like the north side of the tree was growing faster. It was all pointing right to where the ship had been seen. Mm -hmm. And so Ben actually did some research and compared it to trees that grow in Chernobyl. And oh, yeah. Chernobyl. With uh, radiation and coming from that certain spot. Right. Okay. And so he was actually able to compare. Good thing he did that when he did. and <laughs> He was actually able to compare the tragedy at Chernobyl and the growth of trees there and the rings on the trees there to the rings of uh, the tr- on the trees in Arizona and found a lot of similarities on how the, the trees um, grew a lot faster with the radiation uh, in Chernobyl. And it kind of coincides with the, the trees there in Arizona, how the, the sides of the trees that were facing the, the spaceship uh, grew faster because they were exposed to that radiation. In effect, one of the uh, one of the gentlemen that was with Travis, his arm was out the window, um, like you know, putting his arm out the window. Now he's got a Popeye arm. No, he's got he's got a uh, skin cancer on that arm. Oh, yeah, yeah he's got skin cancer. On so that I mean, arm. if this if I mean if this was a hoax, how much effort would you have to be put into making these trees grow? more on one just one side towards the center of this clearing um with radiation like you know how much time and effort would go into to doing this with these trees like it's damn near impossible and going back to the trees i I mentioned earlier this is the second highest lightning area now the 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 in the world the the number one is the amazons which is above water right well, I just mentioned Snowflake, Arizona is very rural and it's a desert. So why there's so much lightning in this area, they still don't know. But there's a something there's a there's a material or, or crystal that that is a, created when lightning strikes a tree. There's some type of material that comes from that. I can't remember the name. And you know, you can see, like, for example, if, like lightning strikes like wet sand, and it forms like almost like a tree coming out of the ground. Like it just, yeah, you know, it makes that. a creation. But same with trees. When it hits a tree, you know, it, cause, it starts it on fire, obviously. But also, there's a material that gets a, that gets created from that. So one of the theories could be that alien life form is interested in this material that's maybe only maybe found in this area or easily found because there's so much lightning in this area. Oh, they also did sample, um, soil samples that they sent into an independent lab tester. And then the samples that they got from the epicenter of where this went down, uh, compared to, you know, like a mile or so away, uh, soil samples, there was a lot more iron and a lot of more like, uh, phosphorus materials Uh in the soil sample from where it happened as opposed to the control samples that, that wasn't present. So they, and this is like. Like it was almost like a giant magnet had pulled the iron to the ah, surface of the, the soil. So I mean, just the the stuff that Ben Hansen has found and they recently released in these these documentaries um, is just more evidence, in my opinion. And this is what forty something years later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're going to forty five have... years later. Yeah. Um, this evidence that Ben Hansen is is uh, 
providing Ish. and finding is just, in my opinion, more proof that this dude actually went through this this terrible experience. Yeah. Like he wants to forget it. Like um, he he hates. I mean, he mentioned it on Joe Rogan. Like he doesn't want to remember this. It's just it's just not something that you can yeah, forget. Yeah, right. So I've recently thought of some some. Half baked idea. Okay. And oh, are you going to be the skeptic of this episode? <laughs> no, no. I'm the one that doesn't believe this was, in aliens. This was a, <laughs> this was a, an awesome idea I came up with, but okay. then I, it branched off and thought of, holy shit, UFOs probably use the same to for their lift off and and everything for their way of motion through the sky. What do you guys think UFOs are using to propel themselves? Magnets. And how? I don't know. Thermodynamic thrusters. So magnets, yes. I have no idea. Uh, this is the theory I have because I was thinking about a cool new way to propel my kayak in the water. Okay. And I was thinking, okay. You're an alien. I'm an alien. <laughs> and I, I should know this it. already. <laughs> so. You guys so, are like, aliens exist. You're sitting right next to two yeah. of them. So when you, you've seen these things when they, uh, like it's in a bowl in this or, or whatever, an object is hovering above this thing and you can spin. Yeah. And it's because it's opposite end magnets or no, or same magnets and they're propelling each other. Well, that's what's causing that to levitate. Now, on my kayak, I was thinking, oh, what if I had opposite or, or the same side magnets, one behind my kayak on a wheel and then one on my kayak, and I get something to spin this magnet so it constantly goes near the kayak one and it pushes the kayak. I'm like, holy shit, what if this is what is propelling aliens? Because now that you have this magnet, you can change directions of which way you want to propel yourself. And depending how fast you're spinning this other one, it will keep pushing it. So if it's spinning it, I don't know how many rotations, multiple light years at a time, yeah. <laughs> that's how fast it's going. It's going to propel you that fast. It's a it's, it's an idea, but I don't know. We need engineers to put it together. Well, I think Bob Lazar has somewhat of a similar theory. That's kind of where I came up with when I gave my answer right now. I think Bob Lazar has some type of theory like that. I've heard that name before. So Bob Lazar has a show on Netflix. He was in charge of at Area 51 of de-engineering, um, or how do you say it? I don't uh, know. Reverse engineering. Oh, yeah. Reverse engineering spacecrafts that have been found and are sitting in bunkers at Area 51. Oh, and in case you've been living in a hole the last two years, the government in the U.S. have officially announced UFOs exist. Well, that yeah, they've, they've released, released videos, videos that yeah. they have and all that, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> it's real. So, um, I don't know, Just that was just a theory that I came up with as I was thinking of ways to propel my kayak. You know what makes sense? Uh, but I don't know why it would cause like that amount of radiation. Well, okay, imagine what I just said, and then you add radiation to it. Now so, you're going light I, I, I do. I mean, I, I know it's possible to travel using magnets because of the bullet trains in Japan. Yeah, and how fast are those going? Like 200 miles an hour. And then now... Uh, they're thinking about creating one that goes from like L.A. to New York and getting there within 45 minutes going 600-something miles an hour. So I know that like, I know from personal experience that magnets can put off energy. Um, I have some EM pumps that I built. I looked up online how to do it uh, for the paranormal investigations. If you don't know what an EM pump is, it's basically a device that's putting off electromagnetic fields that spirits supposedly can and uh, feed off of and it makes it easier for them to communicate with you. So... We took the instructions that we found online and <laughs> decided they weren't good enough, and we went more out with it than, or went all in, basically. Um, I bought four magnets. 
for one EM pump when basically it was only asking for two. Um, and then we epoxied these. We got a piece of steel and epoxied the magnets to the piece of steel. And then we got just a, a fan motor and put it in this box that I got from Radio Shack, rest in peace. Um, uh, and we connected it with a switch, like we soldered it and everything. We built uh-huh. this. Um, the box I got was too big, so I don't really use them as much because if you're trying to conduct an uh, EMF or EVP session, it, all you're going to hear in the recording is just a loud humming noise. Um, we tried to weigh one down with like foam and pennies, and um, that one works a little bit better. But basically... One of my friends is uh, like was going to school for being an engineer at the time. I have an actual friend that or a friend that's an actual engineer, um, but and they were they were the guys that were helping me make this were just kind of blown away by the fact that this worked because I you know have my K two meter and I turn it on next to the EM EM pump before it's not doing anything and nothing no reading on the K two meter. Second we turn that on. K2 meter spikes red and we were able to determine that like this was throwing energy from this little box that I have about three feet uh, circumference and like a, a sphere if you will around it oh nice that's cool with the K2 you can measure it yeah you guys so. are talking too nerdy for me let's talk about something cool finger banging so would you, would you let an alien take you up and finger bang you well, science that's is what not they cool did. is it gonna it is very cool well obviously they're not even taking you to dinner so <laughs> So rape. Clearly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it sounds like rape. They didn't feed. They they somehow gave him nutrition, but they didn't really feed him that well yeah, because giving him insure ten pounds lighter. Insure, insure, boost, <laughs> slim fast. But Which, yeah, so I think uh, it's entirely possible that that's how they propel themselves. Um, I would say within the Earth atmosphere. I don't know if it would work in outer space. I haven't really studied space exploration that much, but so I think it is possible to create some kind of hovercraft or hover. Using magnets. I would like to test this theory with an engineer that knows how to create this and make something move fast enough to keep propelling something straight up just off of magnets. That would be pretty dope. Just Science. to see if it works. <laughs> so I'm just giving out free ideas. If aliens came down and said, hey, we want to take you on an adventure, would you go? I mean, we might do a little bit of finger banging, but just, just for them test results, but then you can hang out with us. Like, am I going to remember it or if they're going to erase my memory? You if they're going to erace my memory, like, you can remember. why is the point? We might drop you off 30 miles away from home, but you'll remember. If they forget anything, there's Uber. always hypnosis. <laughs> Uber. Would you do it? Ghostly has a Tesla. He can come get me. I, after I get finger, finger banged by the aliens, I could charge his car. Yeah. Yeah, Just yeah. sit in it. it. Might give me skin cancer, but... <laughs> Um, it depends on, I mean, if they wanted it to be like, Grays, Grays show up, they want you wake me to, up, they're they, the I, have to, I have to sign a non-disclosure statement. Are you going to show me the secrets <laughs> of the universe? Hell yes, I would go. Okay. I've you, always you seen these them? movies. I've seen you these movies like, bring you back? Uh, no, um, they'll probably kill me, but I don't care because I got to see cool stuff before I died. So no, I've, I've in the past, uh, this is why I used to not believe in aliens. And it's such a stupid reason you'd watch all these shows about alien abductions. Um, even like when the fourth kind came out, uh-huh. um, stupid movie, by the way, not real, not based on actual <laughs> events. They say it is the one in Alaska. Yeah. You don't like that one. Uh, I, so I, when it first came out, one of the guys I worked with was just so like, Oh my God, this is based on a real story and they have actual events that have happened. I'm like, because they show in the movie, like, side-by-side side, the, yeah. the quote-unquote police video. And then they have the actors. Like, it was yeah. Mila Joho- Johanovanovich, whatever yeah. the fuck her name is. Yeah. Um, Resident Evil. Yeah, Resident Evil. So they, they have it side-by-side side showing the, the actual, you know, like, dashboard cam of the cop car. Or, like, actual 
evidence. And this guy's like, no, 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 that's real stuff that happened. And I'm like, dude, they're reenacting it, quote unquote, reenacting it with like Hollywood actors. What makes you think they couldn't have just put unknown actors that no one has ever seen before and film the same scene with the same script that they're using? So, well, uh, I mean, it was an interesting movie. I think it's pure fiction. Um, but the thing is, is, I used to, like, when I was a kid, I'd be like, if aliens are real, then you should come and abduct me and show me you're real. And, you know, they probably might have at this point, and I just don't remember. <laughs> Let's hypnotize me and yeah. see if I've got alien remembering. That's not a word. <laughs> Memories. Thank you. <laughs> Myself. How about, how about you, Mr. McGhostface? If aliens came down and said, hey... We're just gonna finger bang you a little bit. I'll but say, then listen here. We're gonna go take on a tour, here, bud. <laughs> if anyone's gonna get, or if anyone's doing any finger banging around here, it's me. <laughs> He's actually saying, "Use three fingers." <laughs> then let's see how big your knuckles are first. <laughs> <laughs> like, then we're going on a space trip. Would you go? I'm like I've been going on space trips, bro. <laughs> but <laughs> into your galaxy. <laughs> so, so if it's me going into Uranus, <laughs> that's the only party I'm going to. <laughs> yes. If I was single, I might be up for for <laughs> for this adventure. If they could black out like the finger banging part and just show me the universe, <laughs> that'd be great. Like we can we can erase that part, but we still we do need to finger bang. You know? Yeah, just wipe it from it's just my memory. Things we have to do. Like, they're gonna wipe that. But shit first, from we're my gonna turn you out. out. <laughs> wipe it from my memories. I'm good to go. And then we'll take you on a dinner <laughs> dinner date. They're gonna show you one of those uh uh what the gynecologist little beaks. They're like, hey, beaker, have you seen one of these? <laughs> yep. Erase my memory of that part. It's gonna be talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, so Travis Walton. Fire the sky. I believe it. I believe it. Fake. It was a hoax. <laughs> he put himself near death just for this hoax. <laughs> just to entertain us. So yeah. Alright, well should we call that an episode, That's, guys? No, it's it's real. This 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 happened. No Definitely. doubt in my mind. Hundred yeah. percent true. Alright, guys. Because aliens are true. Alien finger banging me? Don't go see don't play that. Peace out, butterflies. Bangerang. Ha! <laughs>